I'm Alec Mappa, and welcome back to another episode of Hot Mess. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, starting here. <laughs> Just leave it in. Welcome back to another episode of Alec Mappa Hot Mess with Matthew Dempsey, psychotherapist. I'm Alec Mappa. I'm an actor and comedian, and I live in Hollywood. And I'm Matthew Dempsey. I'm a multicultural counselor and psychotherapist. I'm never going to get that right. Multicultural counselor. Yes, multicultural counselor. What's so confusing about that? I don't know. I just called you a psychiatrist <laughs> earlier because I was like, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to introduce you as a fireman next right, week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not a psychiatrist because I don't prescribe medication. It's you don't prescribe thing. medication. Can you yes. tell people like you need meds or can you recommend? Well, I mean, yeah, for sure. I would refer people if I think that there might be something else kind of going on with like kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, neurologically uh, speaking. Yes. Mm-hmm. My therapist um, uh, prescribed prescribed meds for me uh, three years ago. He said, yeah, yeah it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, th- yeah. Okay, so your therapist was a psychiatrist. No, no. He he sent me to a very um, fancy psychiatrist. Gotcha. In, in uh, uh, that had like a six month waiting list, and ah. um, but I got in after a month. I was like, I can't wait six months. But um, he's like like the like the Gucci of psychiatrists, and he fancy. set me on the right path, which yeah. is which which um, lends itself to this uh, this week's. Uh, Topic, which topic, is grief. Yes, it is grief. grief now yes. that we're laughing, let's let's talk about grief. <laughs> let's really dial it back a moment. It's getting too late. Yeah, <laughs> understanding grief. Yeah, well, that's what we're talking about. Working through grief. Working through it, understanding it, feeling it, processing all. The yeah. Things. Now, now my philosophy is that there are several stages of grief, or that um, grief is like a wave. It's not yeah. like I remember that after my mother passed away when I was in 1992. She died young. And um, there were days where I would be perfectly fine and able to yeah. go through my day. And then days where I was, I was rendered immobile. Like I yeah. was so sad. I couldn't move. I didn't want to do anything. And I realized that it's, it's, that's just the way it goes. There are some, you have good days and you have bad days. Yeah. That, I mean, for sure. Grief is something that does come in waves and that it's actually, it comes in stages. So kind of the most popular theory for grief is the five stages of grief. It's mm-hmm. by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross that came yes. back, you know, last century. It's DABDA. That's how I remember it. DABDA. It's denial, anger, bargaining, okay. depression, uh-huh. and acceptance. Um, and so, uh, but actually there's somebody else named um, David Kessler who came out recently. He was a, he was a student of uh, Kubler-Ross uh, and just came out with a book recently about how there's this kind of like sixth stage where it actually then adds meaning where we want to find me not just acceptance as kind of the final moment but actually giving it some new meaning and almost kind of brings it to like kind of a spiritual realm giving it meaning giving it meaning what would that look like i'm just checking to see if i did it (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's about just kind of you know it's getting to a place of acceptance of understanding that you know whether it's a person or whether it's a situation or circumstance you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is that we're grieving that not only that we achieve a place where we can feel acceptance of the fact that that no longer exists in our life, but we actually attach meaning to it, maybe something that we're able to pull from it, right? Mm. Um, and so, I mean, honestly, I would say probably the, um, I would say I'm actually in the, probably as most of us are right now, in the throes of my own <laughs> grieving right now uh-huh. because of everything that's going on this year. I don't know, what's going on this year? Is this well, a weird year? What are you talking about? <laughs> Okay, so I see you're I'm in, in the denial, denial stage, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I can stay in denial for a really long time just because that's my that's my default position of functioning. Like, yeah. let's go. 
Yeah. I know you're sad, but like what that, my doesn't, surpri- is, that doesn't surprise me, Alec, because you're yeah. constantly you're constantly going. It's always I, like this, I'm and it going. doesn't really and, give a chance for us to, at times to just kind of sink into the yes. Moment. And and the biggest <laughs> lesson I've learned is I'm so hell bent on being happy. Like I really yeah. work at my happiness. I'm pretty disciplined about it. That I forget that part of being happy is acknowledging my own sadness. Can I tell you that's actually probably one of my biggest pet peeves of humanity? Anybody <laughs> exactly what? what you're talking about? What, what you do? You mean? <laughs> The this this like incessant need to always be happy. Mm-hmm. It's just like what's wrong with that? Are you are you happy it's shaming what? me, Matthew? I'm not happy shaming you. I'm broadening the scope of what healthy functioning oh, okay. as a human being looks All like. Right. Happiness okay. is happiness is one note of mm-hmm. such a broad spectrum of mm-hmm. what it means to be an emotional human being and a creature on this planet. So mm-hmm. why would we want just one note? I mean, listen, because like, you weren't raised it. as a middle child who was trying to keep peace in the household. <laughs> That's why the pressure wasn't on you. Aren't you the oldest or something? <laughs> no, no, I'm you- the youngest. I'm the, I'm the youngest. I'm not a psychiatrist. Alec, get it together. You're I- the youngest. And so you never had to like, everybody just loved you from the beginning. It's like <laughs> you were just the, you were the baby. There's no, there was no, no emotional responsibility placed on your shoulders. Alec, you don't even know what I do for a living. You're getting, <laughs> you're getting my occupation mixed up. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know my constellation. Yeah. Anyway, but no, but so anyway, that it does kind of drive me crazy because happiness. When people want to be happy all the time. Yeah, it's just like, get out of here. You know, it's not, it's not authentic. <laughs> well, it's not authentic. No. How, how could anybody be happy all the time? And when, no, but the, I when mean, like, I, I, I think that what, when I say I'm disciplined about my happiness, I think that, Happiness is a decision that you have to make. I disagree. You disagree? Happiness is not a decision. What is a decision is the way that we think about things, the way the mm-hmm. framework, the framework that we put around our experiences. So mm-hmm. our thinking, but our thinking, our thoughts are different than our feelings and mood. Mm-hmm. So if we have a situation like let's just say um, in a general sense, right? Kind yes. of like everything that's going on right now shit is going down, things are changing, there's like massive overall, culturally Mm -hmm. speaking, so we're all grieving, and so we're all going to be moving through a lot of shit, Mm -hmm. and so there's going to be things like, you know, depression is one of the stages of grief, right, so we're going to be feeling really down, but that doesn't mean that we can't at the same time put a positive framework around it, that is the work, to be able to say things like, that's what I'm talking about, okay, but that's different though, that's different than happy, For, for us to be able to say, okay, you know what, like, this is a really shitty time, but I know that growth hurts. I know that mm-hmm. it, it can be painful. I know that there's something good on the other end of this. That's mm-hmm. a positive framework to put around it. It doesn't eliminate sadness. Mm-hmm. It just keeps it from turning into, you know, kind of like immobilizing depression. Well, that's what I meant. I meant like putting a positive thing. That, that's a decision. <laughs> That's, that's a decision. A, yeah. That's a decision. But, that's different than, but I think people get confused when they say like happiness is a decision. You uh, should be happy all the time. It's like, uh, no, you fucking okay. No, I don't believe in being happy all the time. No. And people who are happy all the time, give me the creeps. It's kind of like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's too no, much. But it's, I, you know, my favorite quote about happiness is uh, Carrie Fisher. People are always asking, you know, before she died, you know, she was dealing with a lot of mental illness yes. and they would say, are you happy? And she goes, yeah, among other things. So she had a sense of happiness as being part of the whole. It is. And I do as well, but I Good. think that I think that my what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to combat my natural um my natural impulse to brood. I think that I can uh-huh. I'm a brooder. I How think that so? I can How? I can I can I can How kind do you of, brood? Well, I mean meds have helped. Um, <laughs> and my my own therapist, I don't know if he's a multicultural therapist, but my own therapist <laughs> He says, um, you can, uh, he goes, uh, you can spend time with your feelings, however yes. they are, yes. um, but just have coffee with them. Don't spend the whole fucking day. 
I agree. And with see, that. but previously before meds, I would spend the whole goddamn day. So on you would just, so you thing. would just sink into it. You would I just would get mired brood. down in whatever yes. it was. So the decision yeah. to reframe my thoughts and to kind of, you know, put a positive spin on things or, yes. you know, what can I, I think that's the decision I make every yes. day. Yes. Oh I didn't God. articulate well, that sure. as well as I, I did. And, <laughs> and now daddy's mad at me. <laughs> well, that's what I'm here for, right? To help kind of decode some of this stuff and make it a little bit more digestible and understandable. But yeah, for sure. It's like you, because you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to be a victim to things. You want to be a student to it, right? Like these things aren't happening to you. They're happening for you. So you get to check in on them and let them be a guy. What say that again? That's so good. Not happening. Not happening. Yeah, things, I mean, listen, our circumstances aren't happening to us. You know, they're happening for us. They're giving us an opportunity happening to learn something. To us. Not ha- happening. They're not happening to us. Yes. They're happening for us. I yes. love that. And on that note, I think we should bring on our guest uh, to, to talk about grief. I'm so excited that he's here today. I'm I so am grateful too. that he's doing the show. Um, I hope his audio's worked out. We had issues with him earlier. Yes. Why don't you start in with that intro? Okay. All right. I am actually really excited about today's guest. He's an incredibly gifted television personality. He began his career as a correspondent for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, of course, as much of us know. He became known as Ross the Intern. And he became a big star. He appeared on Celebrity Fit Club, Celebrity Big Brother, and he's currently working on one of my favorite shows, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, he's now hosting a weekly podcast called Straight Talk with Ross. And he's, he's the author of two wonderful books, which we'll talk about during the podcast. Please welcome our fabulous friend, Ross Matthews. I think I got it to work. Everybody. Whoa, oh, wow. crystal clear, crystal clear. Everybody, welcome to our fine program, Ross Matthews. <laughs> yeah. Hello, my love. I love you. You're the only other man I know who gets misgendered over the phone as much as I do. <laughs> oh my God, over the phone. How about this? How about every drive-through I go through, right? Yeah, I'm the yeah. only car and I say, you know, I'll have a number two with a whatever. And they're like, pull up, ma'am. I'm like, oh my God. And four seconds later, I pull up and they look at me and they look behind me yeah. <laughs> what they're so confused where'd Story your mother go yes right yeah, yeah. Um, ross today is um we're talking about grief on the hot mess podcast yes. today mm-hmm. and um first of all we have to express our condolences i know that you've had a loss recently your mother passed away yeah yes she did in uh in may end of may and you so know sorry. thank so you sorry, and yeah. uh thanks and we um you know very 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 close so this has mm-hmm. just been awful you know yeah. especially in the midst of uh, a pandemic when it feels like hugs are illegal, mm-hmm. grieving is just extra difficult. And um, yeah, I have some experience with that. I lost my dad 16 years ago and um, and now my mom and it's just awful. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's such a special um, bond, I think, between especially gay boys and their moms and just kind mm, of like sure. a unique, in, in like a unique way. So what was, I mean, what was the bond like with you and your mom? Crazy. I mean, we talked every single day. She was like my biggest supporter and, you know, everything from anything in my life that I needed to sort through to, uh, you know, how do I make the meatloaf again? Like, what is that recipe? And, you know, um, it was every, everything and everything in between. There wasn't anything unsaid between us, which was wonderful. And I find very um, soothing in, in her absence, knowing that we were good, but like, I also, every single day, reach to call, reach to text, you know. The best part of my day is when I forget, and the worst part is when I remember. Mm. There's, you know, what's so funny is I I lost my mother uh, a long Mm. time ago. I mean, talking 25 years ago, it was, um, I don't know the math on this, maybe even longer than that, 27 years ago. And it doesn't go away. 
it becomes a part of you. I mean, I, that's really the only thing I can describe it. I've, I've grieved so much. And we'll talk about grief more in a second. But what it's turned into now is is kind of it's a scar. It's a part of me. It's, yeah. it's never not going to be sad. And what's weird is um, I think about all the major events of my life that my mom missed. You know, she missed my wedding. She missed me adopting a kid. And that's very sad to me. But what I'm grateful for is my mom got to see me on Broadway. She got to see my dreams start to come true. And I'm mm, certainly yeah. sure that was true for you, Ross, that your your mom must have gotten such a, a big kick out of your success. <laughs> yeah, she loved it. I mean, she... <laughs> Uh, she, when I first saw her on The Tonight Show, you know, that was back in 2001. It, uh, we lived in this, we grew up in this farm town up in Washington State. And mm -hmm. it was like, you know, neighbors, family, the mayor, everybody come <laughs> gather around my mom's TV to watch me. As you know, the years went on, it was almost like, oh yeah, I DVR'd it, I'll get to it. You know, it became less <laughs> important. But, um, but she was very, very proud. But what, you know, she also uh, taught me a lot about like, what's really important, which is like uh, how you're valued, how you, how you find your own value. And so um, I think she, she thought I was a good man too, which yeah. made me even, even yeah. happier. What did she teach you about that? What were those lessons? Well, she taught me to be good. She taught me to be true to myself. She taught me uh, from the very beginning, and you may be hearing my gardener who's right outside my window right now, which <laughs> is just, isn't that the way the world works? Hello. Yes. Hello. Yes. White thank lady for, problems. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Uh, the leaf blower situation happening. Um, <laughs> She, my mom raised me with, uh, I think, the key to success, which she always sort of made me feel like, why not me, as opposed to why me? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people right. sort of uh, criticize their kids to the point that kids think, what? do you hear the leaf blower? That is so mm -hmm. loud. I can't mm -hmm. even, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hello. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Should I do the thing where I ask him to move? Or... And now well, the dogs I mean, are he'll hearing eventually us. stop blowing. Yeah. Oh I mean, it's God, perfect. If I, if this I had a nickel, I'd like mop it every time someone told me that. All right. This is the one time I wanted somebody to stop. Okay. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Now, the dog here understand kids. See, no, now normally someone who wasn't well balanced would freak out in a moment like this. But my mother made somebody very well balanced. Enough! <laughs> down daddy loves you but stop it see this is what we love about the hot mess podcast it's all about authentic emotions and experiences yeah. and i had the same mom i mean the way my mom phrased why not me was what's stopping you you know i want to be an actor well what's stopping you is it mm. frustrating she would always i would call and i'd bitch about the lack of work or or what you know what you, this person got that and and i you know it's so frustrating and she'd always ask what's stopping you and that was her version of why not you? Mm. And um, what I read from your books, Man Up mm -hmm. and uh, Name Drop, which are both available on Amazon, they're both super enjoyable. Thank um, you so much. Is that you grew up with two parents who really valued you. And uh, uh, from the time you were a kid, you didn't have the the kind of uh, traditional parents who like see a, a gay kid and, and, and see that as cause for trouble. It seems you were valued by both your parents from the very beginning. You know, I think I'm, I'm really extraordinarily lucky. I mean, there were bumps in, in the in the coming out journey. You know, my mm -hmm. dad didn't quite understand. He was like a very much a, a machismo hunter mechanic, you mm -hmm. know, and I would go hunting with him uh, and read Little House on the Prairie, you know, as he like <laughs> shot birds. Um, and I would go fishing, but I would just go for the, you know, grape soda and the red vines and <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, I was very lucky in that, um, they, the, my dad quickly got there. 
my dad mm-hmm. quickly quickly yeah. understood and really tried and wanted to. Mm-hmm. And my mother, when I finally came out to her, um, she said, you know, you, you sit there wanting to come out to your, your mother and, you're, and you really think that you're... Risk- okay. All right, I'm sorry. This is happening still. This is too personal a conversation. Your mother is like uh, telling your dogs to bark. Yeah. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on one sec. Hold on. Oh, shit. <laughs> one sec. <laughs> None of this is going to be edited out of the show. I no, think it should. I mean, it's like, of, of course, of course, at like the most intimate <laughs> moment of him coming out to his mom and what his okay. mom said, and then all of a sudden barking. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. You're so, ah. you're so Thank you. You're very thorough. Okay. Can you go that way? That way. Thank you. Hi. All right. Uh. <laughs> so, so when you came out to your mother. Yeah, what was I saying? Hold on. You were mind. talking about when you came out to your mother. Uh, so when I came out to my mother, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that moment when you're coming out to your parent, you really feel like, maybe you could lose their love forever. You know, you're mm-hmm. risking that. And, I, and unless you're gay, you kind of don't get that moment. But it does feel like being my authentic self is worth what could possibly, I could potentially lose, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And when I said to her, mom, I'm gay, she said, oh, honey, I know. Didn't you already tell me? And I was like, <laughs> uh, no, this is my story. I would know if I already told you. And so, uh, but she didn't care from the beginning. I was very lucky that way. And, and you know, you hear horror stories, um, but uh, that's one of the reasons why I miss her so much is because she just loved me as is. Yeah. Screaming with the dogs, with the gardener, total mess. Right. But, you know, it's like the people who go, who go before us, leave those values and those ethics with us. And you had that lovely article about, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to be like her. And that's, yeah. that's very much me and my mom too. My mom always made everyone feel welcome in her home and she would seek out the shyest person at the party and say, come help me in the kitchen. Yeah. And yeah. by the end of the evening, she'd, uh, that person would be her new best friend and they'd be talking and she'd really draw them out of their shell. It's like, those, those are the things that, I, I think Matthew, you were talking earlier about when grief takes on meaning. I think that was it for me. It's yeah. like, as a parent, um, so much of my mother is a part of my life now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just not just getting or achieving a place of acceptance of the loss of that person, but really being able to add that extra layer of meaning and about how just the experience, not just the loss, but obviously the relationship added something to your life and brought mm-hmm. it to a new place. You know, it's interesting hearing you guys talk because you're, uh, Alec, you're in such a uh, different spot than I am. And, mm-hmm. and Matthew, you are, you know, a lot about this process, but I'm like, still feel like I'm under the blanket, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm still, I, every yeah. morning I wake up like, Oh my God. And I'm a, I'm a happy person, but mm-hmm. this, this, this process has just been really, really difficult. And I know it becomes part of you. And I, and I love, I love that description because that's how I feel about my dad, but mm-hmm. this is still like the practice of missing her. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it would become easier as it became more normal, but it's just become more, more difficult. No, this you know? is, this yeah. is brand new. I mean, in the way that we used to grieve as a society is, um, in the Western society, even you would wear a black armband for a year or our women would dress in widow's weeds for an entire year, which meant that for an entire year, you were given the emotional permission. You were given the societal permission to be in the emotional space of grief and sadness. And other people would see you in black or see you with the armband and kind of recognize and respect that. And right now, the way death is processed in Western society, it happens in a hospital. Mm -hmm. It happens away from us. We don't see it. Yeah. you know, and we yes. don't talk about it yeah. anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not there's no talking about it. And there's there's not like a whole lot of room for us just to be able to feel the things that we're feeling, you know, and um, especially in this culture, and even just like the concept of toxic positivity, I think also lends itself to what makes it challenging for people to properly grieve, you know, like this idea that if you just think, you know, kind of frame things in a certain way, think about things positively, then that should remove any emotional discomfort. And there's no way it just helps us manage it. So we can move through it to allow ourselves to feel it. Somebody, people always ask, how are you doing? And I always say like, I'm not doing well, but I'm doing well. Like I'm doing a good job grieving, yeah. but I'm doing, I'm not doing well. Like, cause it's yeah. hurts and it's so sad and but yeah. I'm feeling it. Uh, and I think that is good. Yes. I wish, I wish that we, I wish that it was so much more acceptable in our culture where we can say things like, you know, like, how are you doing? Like, you know, honestly, I'm kind of depressed today. I've been depressed for the last couple of weeks. Like I'm, I think I'm doing okay, but yeah, I'm like depressed. What a bummer. Just to be inviting her to brunch. Jesus, which is a hypothetical question. I really didn't want an actual (laughs) answer. But Alec, to the point too, right? But when you are a funny person, people Mm -hmm. don't want to hear that kind of stuff either. Do you feel, or at least maybe you think they don't. I have had to like, I've had to allow myself to respect everybody more than I thought I did because like yeah. I hear myself thinking they don't want to hear that and I think maybe they do want to no, hear that but you maybe know what it, give them a little credit there, there's something to that that it's easier to talk about it with people who have been through it yeah. um you'll want to surround mm-hmm. yourself with people because for death for a lot of people it's an uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. let's talk about death but um and also the I feel like when you said that it just happened to you I mean, you wake up every day under the covers. When you said that, I remember that so clearly because for the first year when my mother passed away, I felt like one, pissed that the world was going on as it should. I would look at people going, how can you go about your normal activities when my mother's gone? And two, the shock of it, I really honestly felt the subjective feeling was any moment she's going to walk through the door. Mm. I still mm-hmm. felt as if, um, and, and it's not based on reality, but it was based, it, there was a feeling of, I, I would still reach for the phone during the day to call her if something weird happened, because that's what we always did. Or it, it, the subjective feeling was, she's, she's at some point, this is going to be over and she's going to just walk through the door. Mm-hmm. Do you feel anything like that? I don't. I feel um, like I can't believe she's gone. Like Mm -hmm. I just, like, it's almost like I can't understand it, you know, like all of a sudden two plus two equals 20. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. compute. Like you intellectually know it, but emotionally not. Yeah. I just can't fathom it. I, and I then, oh, it's so hard, you know, and it's, uh, Mm -hmm. and, um, there are times when even yesterday, you know, I was like shooting the show and it's like, you know, a dream. I can't believe it all. You know, I was thinking having this moment, it all came true. I'm so happy. And I get in my car and then I cry because I uh-huh. can't call my mom. And, you know, it's like the, um, I just can't reconcile, um, how high life can be and how low it can be. I just, yeah. you know, I'm just mm-hmm. having a hard time with it, but I don't think I'm having a hard, I think I'm, I think this is what you're supposed to do. Uh-huh. Yes. This is what you're yeah. supposed to do. Yeah. Ross, do you mind, do you mind if I ask how your mother passed? She had cancer. Okay. Was mm-hmm. it um, was it really kind of like a long, kind of like drawn out process? Yeah, she had a couple treatment? couple years treatment and went into remission, and then it was uh, we found it was in her brain and back mm-hmm. everywhere and lungs and everything. So, um, and she did get to die at home. We did hospice at home though, so I got to like be with her, and I got to be with her with my dad. I held both of them yeah. as they as they passed away, which was a beautiful gift. But it's like tough to like. It's not about me, but it's tough yeah. to keep that inside, you know, and yeah, have that sure. those images. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful, and yeah, yeah. 
And so how, <laughs> I know that you were saying you kind of feel like it's just um, that you're just kind of like under it. Like how else are you feeling right now? Like today specifically? Um, but it's like I told you, like the, um, the best part of my day is when I forget that she's yeah. gone. And then mm-hmm. I remember. And that's the worst part because and the, the thing about grief, I find, is that those periods are, are longer, you know, mm-hmm. but every time you remember when you reach to go reach to grab the phone or something, it's this it's the same. It's like 100 percent of the pain. You yeah. know, it's just less often you yeah. feel it. That's yeah, yeah. I, I just remember the feeling so acutely, just kind of like waking up and being like, oh, this is still real. Mm-hmm. Like just waking up and like, oh, this is still real. And the last time I felt that was after Trump won. Uh, <laughs> it was oh, so yeah. awful. It was so awful. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, this is still real. Yeah. This is still. That was a real surreal moment. <laughs> Did you regret voting for him? Yes. Well, <laughs> and then, you know what, Ross? Honestly, he's almost lost me. He's almost, almost just one more thing. I'm telling one, you, one yeah, more might supporting my yeah. a racist. One more, <laughs> he could yeah, could lose our. Team. My my the thing that helped me is kind of like my support group of friends. Do you have do you have touchstones around you that you can talk honestly and openly, and you don't have to pretend? Completely, I'm so. Luck. I mean, I, I'm so lucky. I have a large group of friends. You've been able to meet some of my friends, yeah, they're you know, wonderful. and they're great. And, and, and some friends I've had since school. Uh, so I'm very lucky. The, the issue is why this is extra hard is because it's a pandemic, right? So I'm yeah. like alone with three chihuahuas. So I, I haven't really hugged anyone. I have, I've just uh, been, yeah. you know, it's just, I can zoom a friend mm-hmm. or something, but, um, it is very isolating. Yeah, for sure. So what do you, what are you doing then? I mean, just like Zoom and that's it. You, do you have anybody that's kind of like in your pod, as they call it? No, no one in my pod. No one um, in your pod? No, I mean, no. <laughs> I My friends are all, I, maybe because I, I'm in Palm Springs a lot, so everyone's really elderly and no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's taking that risk. <laughs> a high risk group. Uh, no, uh, so not really a pod, no. Uh, but uh, Zoom, and I, I'm, I'm back to work. You know, I've been shooting since mid-July. And so mm-hmm. that is been a wonderful distraction you know yeah. how is that working out in this time of covid because i'm about to go on another shoot in september i want to hear how things are on yours it's bizarre i can't yeah. they won't let me talk about what show it is but you can do the but math you don't have to talk you can just tell me um, about the covid protocol so i'm tested every two days right mm, whether i'm on okay. set wow. or not if i'm at home somebody comes and shoves a thing up my nose mm-hmm. uh every two days every like multiple times through the day on set my temperature is taken yeah. uh, we're in like double masks when they come and do my hair and makeup up they're like in bubble wrap mm-hmm. um and then on set we're like between each of us we're six feet apart and there's glass walls between us on this mm-hmm. show on the show okay mm-hmm. oh so it's, wow it's very bizarre very oh, wow. bizarre but it's become normal now it's been you know over a month and a half going on two months we've been shooting like this and at yeah. first it felt like i was on mars mm-hmm. and now it just uh, <laughs> i don't know if i'm happy that it feels normal but it does feel normal yeah <laughs> Ross, actually, one of one of my favorite things that you've been doing um, on Instagram has been the like, cooking that you've been doing. Uh, like, uh, yeah, we got to talk about that. I'm, wait, okay. First of all, can I just say that I, I I actually just kind of was like stumbling through some of some of your stuff and was like, oh, let me just check out his cooking thing. It's like 15 minutes or something. I'll, I'm like, I'll watch a minute or two. I watched all of it and then just kept watching more of them. You did You're so good with it. Oh my god! I didn't know a jicama wrap existed, but I need I'm to- not eating a jicama wrap, by the way. <laughs> it's I amazing. You're Why not going to make you? me. Eat it. You're I've not, done I'm lettuce not, wraps, but I, like now I'm gonna turn. I'm turned on to jicama wraps. Go today. Don't wait. Yes, I um, won't. 
it, they're at Trader Joe's. I uh, so I cook every day. I really mm. do. In my last book, Name Drop, I uh, I had cocktails and recipes, which were little yeah. happy hour bites. Mm-hmm. So I make recipes all the time, and and I. I, I'm just me. And so I, I was doing some food videos before COVID, but then it's like, what am I going to do? Hand my phone to the, one of my chihuahuas to record now. Yeah. So, but I finally got this tripod that uh, is like a steady cam and follows, follows you. you. Yeah. yeah you, you on the screen, you draw a square on your like face and then wherever you walk, it follows you. But it's the amazing. best what? part of this, wait, Alec, the best part of this though, is that when he's doing it, it doesn't, always 100% following. So we have to go back and be like, hello, pay attention to me. Uh, I know. C-3PO, I'm over here. I got to name the robot. I'm going to name her Lazy Susan because she's lazy. <laughs> That's Alex's nickname. <laughs> no, but, you know, the, the I did a, just one the other, uh, another week or something and the yeah. people like loved it. So now yeah. I'm just doing them because I'm I love cooking. it. And you're like, and you're just saying, just like, oh yeah, no, coconut oil is good. It's a good fat. I, that's what people say. I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not qualified to do this. But you've lost 20 pounds. I mean, 26 pounds. 26 pounds, since, uh, more appropriately. Uh, since, because I found that grief pizza was a real thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after my mom passed, I just sort of went to my horrible habits and I just was adding, adding, adding. So I wanted to stop the bleeding because one thing you learn when your parents die is that you know you'll die too. And I'd like to postpone that as long as possible. Yeah. So um, since, uh, early July, I've lost uh, 20, That's 20 almost 26. You are also, I mean, you also talked about how um, kind of like the relationship with your mom and food and cooking and stuff. So is, does any of, is any of that part getting expressed? Is, is there any kind of processing through things by cooking kind of I'm almost sure. in her honor? I'm sure, you know, I haven't thought about that, but I'm sure that maybe that's why I love cooking so much is because it was a connection. You know, I would call her and ask her and tell her what I made and send her pictures. And oh. and maybe because uh, I did help her in the kitchen, you know, because my dad and I weren't yeah. that, we didn't have much to bond over. <laughs> <laughs> so I would always be like a little sous chef. So I hadn't thought about that, but I think that is a way to yeah. stay connected well, I, to her. I, mean, I think that's I like incredible. And, and honestly, as I was saying, and, I, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, I love, I love those cooking segments. And there is this certain kind of like magic that comes through as you're doing it. So. Well, you're good at that. I mean, you've been doing this for a really long time and I, I've hosted talk shows where you've appeared, um, you know, that, that, that gossip queen show that I did with Lonnie Love and you mm-hmm. just walk into the studio and you kind of own your space and yeah, you own who you, you are and you, it immediately puts everybody at ease and you're so yeah, good at it. When you you're on shows, let's, uh, this is a question about you and your mom. When you're on shows, when you're on the red carpet, is there is there a part of your personality that, of your mom's personality that comes through. No, no? <laughs> my, my <laughs> mom did not. She did not like attention. Um, mm-hmm. She was uh, curious and interested, but not inquisitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we were very different, um, but she was so nice, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think maybe that's, that part yeah. com- comes out because I like to, I like to be nice to people. Right. You yeah, were never sure. a mean queen. You were always kind of really good at establishing rapport right away. Yeah. Um, in your book, you talk about all the celebrities you've interviewed. And what I really enjoyed about the last one is you talk about the interviews that go badly and yeah. then you give us the YouTube link. <laughs> yeah. So you can... <laughs> So you can study it like the Zapruder film. You guys can go in. Here's here's what it did, though. You you posted that one uh, in one of the chapters about how Matthew Perry and um, what's the other one? Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc were nasty to you. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I watched it on YouTube and they look horrible. 
They, yeah. they, they like, I immediately stick up for you. And I was like, God, that was awful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause yeah, it's a so, story. I, I own and do the my follow up at the end. Okay. I own my part in this. You know, I, uh, you learn, you know, when I was doing these tonight show pieces, it's like, I was not a trained comedian. I was, I was literally in college and they go, Oh fun. Let's send you out, you know? And then it becomes not, Oh fun. Let's send you out. It's like, okay, you need to get a six minute piece, uh, from where you go with, no writing, no anything, just off the fly. And it's going to be shown to 6 million people and it's got to be back by Tuesday. <laughs> so all of a sudden it was like, what the what? So I felt this pressure. I got to deliver or I'm never going to have another one. I, can't, and I always felt like that until I got a contract. If this doesn't work, I'll never be on again. Mm-hmm. So let me, that's just the feeling, right? So you kind of push hard when it's not working, right? When <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the NBC 75th anniversary party. It's probably 2004, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe earlier. Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe three. And uh, all the stars of NBC present and past were there, like cheer. I interviewed like Rue McClanahan and Betty White, (laughs) Norm from Cheers, Barbara Eden, the guy from Get Smart. I mean, like, I didn't even know some of these people were, right? I was like, (laughs) great. So then, you know, all of a sudden the the Friends stars are there and I'm losing my mind because this is the height of Friends. Like 25 Mm -hmm. million people a night are watching Mm -hmm. Friends every Thursday. Huge. Uh, Matt LeBlanc, Matthew Perry come up and I'm like, Amazing. And so I say, hello. Like, I'm so excited. And there, and I said, hi, I'm Ross. And they go, no, isn't that Ross? And they point at David Schwimmer. And I was like, oh, funny. That's funny. And I, and then I said something like, um, you guys excited or something tonight? And they just like looked at me and, and then they pointed at me together. Uh-huh. And, and then they looked at the camera and they said, Jay, what are you thinking with this one? This huh? is not long-term thinking, Jay. It was, but I, it was really mean. It was like it was kind of homophobic. I, in uh-huh. the in in the watching of it now, it's the subjective feeling is like this faggot yeah. really, Jay. It, it, that's how it comes across. <laughs> so then I like I say lame things to try to get out. I said, "Are you making fun of me?" And then I I was trying to get out of it, and then they just kept pointing at Jay, be like, "Jay, not a good idea." What are you doing? What? Yeah, yeah, this is not. Did it feel like it was the that flavor of homophobia? I mean, now, if it happened, I yeah. would say, fuck you, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. off. Fuck off. Yeah. That's yeah. what, but, that, that would be, that would be the appropriate response now. But at but the not time. Not when you're an intern and it's 2004. And I right. have $400 in the bank and I'm right. like working, you know, trying. And so um, it was tough and they were rude, really, really mean. And I, I was, I write in the book that I was, um, I didn't want my mom to see it. You know, it felt oh. like high school. It felt like the same way every yeah. straight guy tried to make fun of me in high school. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, yeah. you know, in high school, I would have told him to go fuck himself. Yeah. But I couldn't. I had to, you know. So mm-hmm. that always kind of bugged me. Cut to 10 years, 12, 14 years later. I don't know. I'm, you know, still on TV. Friends has been off for a long time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and um, but they have like a hundred million dollars each. So they win. Yeah, but yeah. here's the deal. I'm covering the red carpet for the SAG Awards for E and I'm live. And then it goes to commercial break and I like stop and I talking to my producer and I feel this tap on my shoulder and I think it's someone from our team and I turn around and it's Matt LeBlanc. Mm. And I was like, hi, I haven't seen him since. Yeah. And I was just like, hi. And he was like, hey man, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, oh, what's that? What's that? 
I was like, I don't know if you even remember this, but like forever ago, I met you on a red carpet uh, and you, I was so rude to you. And I saw it like the next night and I just felt like shit. And I've always wanted to apologize to you. And I always said, if I see him again, I'm going to apologize. And I was so um, in the moment of work and everything. I just was like, what? Oh, oh, thank you. Oh, I don't even really, oh, that's so, thank you. That's yeah. so sweet. I don't really remember. And he left. And then after that, I was thinking, God, I wish I really would have told him like, yeah. that it meant a lot to me. Yeah. yeah. Because it did. Yeah. It did mean yeah. a lot to me. And it showed how much the culture had changed, right? Yeah. It showed how much he had changed. And um, I thought it was very cool. I'm still waiting to hear from Matthew Perry. Matt yeah. LeBlanc. I think we have time for one more anecdote. The other part, I just like play. I just love your book. And I've, I've, I I keep it in the bathroom. So I reread it a lot. Um, <laughs> how's that for an image? Um, was, this was the uh, when you were uh, covering the Olympics and you saw uh, when Caitlin was still Bruce. Yes. And, and the greeting to you was, there's Matt. What he goes uh, oh, she, at the time identifying yeah. as, as Bruce, but she said, um, she said, uh, well, there's Ross just living life. Whoever Ross wants to live it. Mm. And I was like, <laughs> Hi, what? what? Yeah. It was like an accusation. <laughs> it was, I write, yeah. I write in the book. It was an accusation. Like I, like it yeah. was wrong. Yeah. And, well, um, but also at the time she was Bruce not living yeah, her life in the yeah, way that she wanted yeah. needed to. Exactly. Exactly. And so I write about, uh, about her and, 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 you know, I would always go to the Kardashian Christmas parties and mm. you could sort of, everything was kind of evident before it was in the news. It was like, mm-hmm. are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and then after the whole, everything, you know, that she transitioned, which I thought, you know, was, is amazing. It's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people talking about trans issues for the first time with that, with yeah. the, mm-hmm. what Caitlyn did, which was Agreed. great. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to her on a staircase once about how, how after Trump won, how um, excited she was and everything. I was like, are you out yeah. of your mind? Like, th- this is not going to be good for you. And she was like, I, I don't know. I think it is. And when the first time I saw her after the transition, I said to her, um, well, uh, there's Caitlyn living life uh, just the way she wants uh, to live it. <laughs> did she catch the reference? She laughed. I don't know if she remembered, but I did. Yeah. I would have said, remember when you said that to me, dummy? No. I, actually <laughs> said, I actually said, why didn't you talk to me? You didn't, you didn't need to be alone in this. You I remember. An, an ally. Yeah. I was here. And she said, yeah. I couldn't even be, she said, Ross, I couldn't even be truthful with myself. Oh my God, totally. Like I remember being in high school and there were a couple of gay kids out and it was like, yeah, they were the furthest, you know, away from me. Like I wasn't going to get close to that because you have to deal with your own stuff first before you can even welcome that in otherwise. Yeah. So we wouldn't have been friends in high school, Matt. We wouldn't, you would have <laughs> steered clear of me completely. Yes, well, exactly. um, you know, we I was have straight to- in high school. So we would have been total bros. There you go. <laughs> Brosives. Um, we always, uh, I want to talk to you forever, you, I, uh, but I want to recommend your books. Uh, the first one is Man Up, which is your whole story and your parents feature large in it. And and also um, uh, Name Drop, which uh, just came out last year. You were nice enough to send me a copy. And it's a, it's a fun book. I love all the recipes in it. And um, there's gossip about the late Jackie Collins and Chris Kardashian and every single celebrity you've ever met. It's a really, really fun read. And you also have your own podcast, um, Straight Talk with Ross, available everywhere. 
Yes, and you've been a guest on it before. We've been mm-hmm. going almost six years now, 350 episodes or something like that. It really is wow. a, a fun a fun show. So catch up on that. And I am so proud of you. I really am so grateful to be on your show. I've been seeing that the people you've been having on here, and I love that you're having funny conversations and serious conversations. It's all the feels, Alex. Yeah, we talk about real stuff. So given what you're going through right now, we always ask people, do you have a hot message Right now, if there's anybody who's going through what you're going through right now, what would you want to say to them? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm qualified, but I'll tell you what I've been trying to do. Okay. You know, we're all, it feels to me like we're losing six months of our lives, Mm -hmm. right? With this whole pandemic situation. Mm -hmm. I want to come out of this having gained something. I don't want to lose. I don't want to think about it like that. You know, Mm -hmm. we've lost too much. So I would just encourage everybody when this ends and there will be an end to this, Mm-hmm. figure out what you want to have gained mm. in this time, right? Have you always wanted to read that book? Have you always wanted to write a book? Have you always wanted to learn this? Have you always wanted to get healthy? Have you, whatever it is, do it. So when we come out of this and we're back to normal life, it doesn't feel like you've lost something. It feels like you've gained something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're very qualified to very give the qualified. hot message of yes. the day. And I think that's perfectly appropriate for what people who are going through what you're going through right now. And and we, we all go through it. None of us is exempt from yeah. this stage of our lives. It's a part of our life and you're going through it. Please know that I'm your friend. I've been through it. You can call me anytime. I, I'm your neighbor. I live near you. And we yes. love you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, of Ross. Of course, you guys. I'm so happy. Thank you so much, my loves. Oh, it's be wonderful. I love it's just, it's just more, I think that it's kind of like when you were talking about earlier when I said that happiness is a decision and, and then you yelled at me. Um, <laughs> 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 don't We're hurt learning. me Danny um, when, no uh, no when when you when I what I really meant to say is how you articulated it is the decision to uh to positively process it or to yes. to, to look at it in a way that uh, um somehow benefits you and I think that's what Ross is doing right now yeah for sure I think uh kind of what he was saying and maybe this could be my hot message of the day is just being able to maybe kind of find some meaning in it. And, and I think the meaning that I'm making out of a year like this or any kind of real loss is how much are we actually able to just sink into, lean into what we're feeling and accept what we're feeling. We can adjust our thinking so we can be positive, but actually just you know becoming a little bit more familiar and a little less afraid with whatever it is that's going on for us. I love the way that mm-hmm. Ross said it earlier when he was saying, you know, he's like, I'm doing well and then I'm not doing well. That mm-hmm. both of those things can be true at the same time. We can be struggling emotionally, but also have the right thinking. Attached. Both things can be true. Yes. Dialectical behavioral therapy. Says <laughs> <laughs> We should do a whole show about that. That would be really, really great. Yeah. We can. <laughs> you I'll be honest so with much. you. Well, I sat through an entire conference on DBT or it was like a two so day Okay. All right. Yeah, it won't, never mind. It never mind. Okay. We won't do it at all. Ma- uh, Matthew, where can people find you on the social media? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Dempsey Psych and Matthew J. Dempsey Psychotherapy on Facebook. And you can find us both at the Hot Mess Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We want to hear from you. You can find me at Alec Mappa, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. DM us both. Let us know. Uh, how you're enjoying the show how much you love us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> affirm us Validate. Um, don't forget to download and subscribe we here at the hot mess pod know you have many choices when it comes to being entertained so we're so grateful and humble that you chose to spend your time with us tune yes. in next time we'll have more fun bye-bye bye guys